Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, we made it to Friday. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Good to have you along for the ride to wrap up the work week. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Are you looking to finance land or something related to land in North Mississippi? If you are, then Mississippi Land Bank is the place. You can find a branch location near you. They're scattered about North Mississippi. You can also grab the phone number online, give them a call, talk to one of their uh, their experts, people that are in the land financing business. They understand what you're trying to do, whether you're building a dream home or a cabin or maybe you're a farmer or maybe it's a piece of hunting property. All of those things, well, those are things that they can help you with at Mississippi Land Bank. So good to have you along. Got a bunch to get to as we wrap up the week and get ready for a weekend of championship round football, conference championship round football in the NFL, plus a full slate of basketball games coming up tomorrow in the SEC. Rippy, what's up? Not much. Glad it's Friday. Yeah. You have big plans for the weekend? No, I do not. I'm just looking forward to these football games more so than anything else. It's like the last day of multiple football games where you can spend an entire day watching it for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, you can like make a day out of Super Bowl Sunday, but there's still only one game, and it's a whole lot of fluff surrounding the game. And every year I get disappointed on Conference Championship Sunday thinking that it's going to be a 12 and a 3.30 game, like... You know, a normal NFL day, and then I look at the schedule, and it's two and like five forty, so you yeah. can like get it into the night. Yeah, it's always a nice bonus. Get it into uh, into that prime time window. Hey, Dad, are you a Super Bowl party guy? Uh, I'll go to one if you're having one. Yeah, I mean, th- that said, um, you know, for years, I don't know if you know this, but for years, I worked in in the restaurant industry, and uh, Super Bowl Sunday was always a working day for me. So gotcha. I only the past like five years have I you know had Super Bowl Sundays off to do that. And the year the Saints won the Super Bowl, I had to work. I missed the first half. Um, mm. So I don't know how if the Saints make it, I don't know how I would be at a party because I'm going to be pretty pretty antisocial. I would imagine until the Saints were able to get the game in hand or, or whatever happens there. Well, and my thing on Super Bowl parties is I actually want to watch the game. Yes, I, I, I because you know. We're going to turn around on Monday afternoon, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about commercials, and we're going to talk about halftime. But, oh, by the way, we're going to talk about the game and how it unfolded and who was great and who wasn't. And so it's like, yeah, I feel like it's kind of important to actually watch the game. It's a little bit harder to do that if uh, you're in that party setting. What about you, Borky? Are you Team Super Bowl party or want to watch it on your own? 
usually want to watch it on my own, but uh, my wife wants to have a Super Bowl party, and therefore we are having a Super Bowl party. There you go. And are we all invited to it? Well, the last time I invited you guys to a big event involving me, the only time ever, none of you showed up, so... I did not receive an invitation to this event. Yeah, I'm and this still is a, waiting that's, on that's, my that's invitation. It must have gotten yeah, lost I, I, in the I, mail. You know, a Super Bowl party, you can just say, hey, I'm having this get-together, and people can show up. A wedding, I want the foil envelope. I want the RSVP <laughs> Do you card. realize how much those costed? I, I told, want that. I told Richard. Richard wanted the uh, the actual invitation. I said, man, can I just save five bucks and tell you when it is? No. No. <laughs> Absolutely not for a wedding. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, we're so going to have one, and everybody's a Saints fan, so if they're in the game, I, I've tried to warn Katie, I said, look, if the Saints are in the game, the party may not be fun, because yeah. if they start playing poorly, nobody is going to have fun. Just know that going into it, that if you put on this good party, but nobody's having fun, it's because the game, not because you screwed up. But if the Saints are in the game and then begin to pull away, all of a sudden you've got a little bit of a rowdy party at the old Hacienda, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah. We're breaking the out big, the top-shelf stuff at that point. The big key at a Super Bowl party is whether you can hear the TV or not. Like, if yes. there's sound... Oh, we'll make sure of that. Sound and relatively easy access to, like, the beer cooler, I'm pretty good. But, like, if I can't hear it and I've got to, like, you know... Go through the gauntlet to try to like get a drink. I'm probably just watching it by myself. I mean, she's already <laughs> planning this. We're, we're setting up a TV outside as well, so just in case you want to escape the noise and the stuff, like you can be somewhere where nobody else will be. What's the food situation? Oh, she's she's making the menu. I all the only say I had was is Are this you grilling good for anything? football? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll start early in the morning. I'll do a butt and uh, some ribs and maybe a brisket if I feel like it. I will. I will. I may come to this. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put myself down as a definite maybe. <laughs> Once you threw out the menu, Borky, he had ears perked up. He's ribs. not really worried about the size of your television or the sound system or the access to the cooler, like uh, like Rippy was. Just got married, which means he's had disposable income. He's got a big TV. Without even being in his house, I'll guarantee he's got a big TV. Well, he he was scoping out a TV online the other day as well. That's true. Did you pull the trigger on that? I'm going to. I haven't yet, but the deal's still available. So, hmm. TVs are kind of cheap now. That they're they are relatively inexpensive compared to yeah. millennials you, you have know. killed them. I mean, you know, just well, like but, we kill everything else. Everything you else. know. If you rewind to when you were a kid, and and hey, Dad, this is a, uh, certainly true for you and me. Probably a little bit different for Borky and for Rippy. But I remember the people that had like the big, like the big screen TV that was the projection screen that really yeah, didn't yeah, have yeah. a great picture. No, but it was, it was like big. a piece of furniture in the living room, and it was massive. Yeah, and it, it, those things were like stupid expensive, and stupid heavy. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck putting one of those in. Yeah, we had one of those in college. I mean, the the actual tube TV. Where there yeah. was the big tube in the back, we had one of those just in like our throwaway room. We had a a five bedroom house, and somebody converted the garage, like carpeted it and stuff, and made it like a bonus room in this house we lived in in college. And so we just put this this uh, cruddy old TV in this garage. And when we were done moving out of the house, uh, we covered it in gasoline, took it out to somebody's property outside of town, and shot it with an arrow. <laughs> You shot a it with flaming a, arrow? Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. Oh, yeah, you lit the tip, and then boom. 
little uh, little destructive there, but uh, whatever works for you. I mean, we tried to like sell it for fifteen dollars. Just please come take it out of our house, and nobody would, so we just blew it up. All right, what's on the menu this afternoon? Big win last night for Mississippi State at home against South Carolina. They pulled away late. Great crowd for the ball game, but there is bad news that goes along with that win for Mississippi State last night. We'll take a look at Ole Miss and Arkansas as they will play an early game tomorrow, a noon tip-off at the Pavilion. Mississippi State has the night game on the SEC Network. They are in Nashville at Memorial Gymnasium to take on Vanderbilt. What does bracketology say right now about the teams here in the Magnolia State? Andy Katz, who is now with NCAA.com, has a, uh, a recent bracketology that is up. And as we sit right now, just four games or three games into conference play, uh, depending on who you're talking about, pretty good news for the Bulldogs and for the Rebels. We'll look at the rest of what's happening this weekend in the SEC. Lee Sterling is going to join us to talk conference championship games. We're going to make some picks? Is that true? Are we actually going to make some picks later this afternoon? If you want to, I would like to. Okay. Because you feel really good about your picks or because you feel like that's what we're supposed to do? I I feel like that's what we're supposed to do, but I'm fairly confident in my AFC championship pick, I think. Okay. We'll see. More on that I'm interested to hear that. A little bit of a tease there for you. Uh, Tate Martell does have a lawyer. That lawyer's name is not Tom Mars. What about this um, this exit that is being rumored with how Dan Enos left Alabama and all the other coaches that are leaving Alabama? Is this the sign of a problem in Tuscaloosa, or is it just kind of how it goes? And we've got some scheduling news for you with Ole Miss basketball uh, coming up a little bit later this afternoon as well. Hey, Dad, quick thought before we we'll, – we'll really dive into it when we come back. Uh, a, a really good win last night with a crowd of better than 10,000 in Starkville for Mississippi State and South Carolina. Yeah, the game played out almost exactly the way that I, I said it would, which is a very rare thing uh, for me. But State you know, was able to keep the lead between three and eight points most of the game. I think Carolina cut it to one there at the end of the third quarter on a last-second three-pointer. And then in the fourth quarter, State just took a, took the game over and, and outscored Carolina by 14 points in that quarter. Uh, Carolina was 0 of 10 from three-point range in that quarter, including in the last minute they missed about five in a row. So mm. uh, played out well for Mississippi State. Well, like I said, we'll go into a lot more of that and, of course, the bad news of it as well. Tia Cooper led the way for South Carolina with 27 points. An absolutely monster game last night for Tierra McCowan for Mississippi State. 26 points and 24 rebounds. South Carolina as a team had 24 rebounds. Tierra McCowan by herself had 24 rebounds in the game. Just getting started with you on this Friday afternoon in the Renaissance Bank Studio at Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. The ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Ceasefire, check out Ceasefire, uh, customer inspired. And Ceasefire reminds you not to text and drive. So let's go to Humphrey Coliseum, or at least that's uh, what was happening last night. Mississippi State hosting South Carolina. 
I, hey, Dad, I saw your tweet and tweets from others who were there kind of leading up to the game, even an hour out, talking about the amount of buzz that was inside the building. 10,006, the announced attendance, looked like a packed house on TV and a whole bunch of energy in the building. Yeah, it, it, it certainly was. And uh, like I said, even being there, and it's something about the games where they put out, you know, some sort of, of promotional item. In this case, there were, you know, the shirts on every seat. You, you, you can just it adds to it. I don't know what it is, but you can feel you could feel the buzz in the building. Even like I said, early in the game, uh, the crowd was hyped at the tip, and then almost immediately, all of the air was let out of the the Humphrey Coliseum when Chloe Bibby went down. Just a minute into the game, uh, happened not ten feet in front of me. She, I mean, she just grabbed her knee. She fell to the ground. She started crying almost immediately. It was really, really tough scene to watch. Uh, hobbles off. They announced today she's out for the year with a knee injury. They didn't specify. Uh, what kind of injury it was, just that she's going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, but MSU, you know, moved on from there. And, and Briamber Scott came in and gave really good minutes and had nine points. Uh, Andrew Espinosa Hunter had a big three in the closing moments of the game that really uh, tipped the scales in favor of MSU and, and, and put South Carolina out of reach. Um, but, of course, like you said, Richard, before we went to break, the, the real uh, story is Tierra McCowan who, like I said, in that final sequence, uh, South Carolina shot, I think, five three-pointers and missed them all. They got four offensive rebounds in that sequence. Had that not occurred, Tierra McCown would have out-rebounded South Carolina by herself. She was up 24-20 with a minute to go in that. 26 points, 24 rebounds, a couple of block shots. They had no answer for They just They straight up had no answer for and and every time – and they – Credit to the officials, I guess, because they just let the game play. They, they didn't call every bit of ticky-tack contact under the rim on, on either side. They let the teams play. I thought it was a, a you know really well-flowed-out game. It, 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 it was fun to watch. And uh, Mississippi State, you know, they put some distance between them and South Carolina, who was probably their top competition uh, in the SEC this year. A combined 32 fouls in the game, 18 on South Carolina, 14 for Mississippi State. And frankly, in a women's basketball game, that's not a crazy number. There there are a lot of games where you'll see at least as many fouls called as minutes played, and uh, that wasn't the case last night. Mississippi State led by three after the first quarter. They were up five at the half. South Carolina outscored Mississippi State 21-17 in the third quarter. So like Hayden told you a few minutes ago, it was a one-point lead for Mississippi State going into the fourth quarter. Bulldogs outscored the Gamecocks 24-10 in the final 10 minutes of the game to move to 17-1 on the year and get to 5-0 in the SEC. They give South Carolina their first league loss. They're now 4-1. South Carolina is 12-5 overall. You mentioned the rebounding numbers. We, we talked about 24 total rebounds for Tierra McCowan in the game. South Carolina had 24 as a team. On the offensive glass, South Carolina had 10 in the game. McCowan had 12 offensive yeah. rebounds. State had 14 offensive rebounds in the first quarter. I've never seen that before. I, I, I State's rebounding advantage in this game was plus 25. I mean, they didn't. Even, if McCowan hadn't played, they still would have been plus one. In rebounding, I've never seen a team dominated on the boards the way South Carolina was. And really, the only reason South Carolina was even in the game was their three-point shooting through three quarters. Uh, they were 10 of 15 going into the third. This is a team that doesn't shoot the three ball very well, um, and and they they found a way to do so. They had some open looks and they hit them. Uh, you know, they were shooting I think 70 percent as a team in the first quarter. They cooled off to around 50 55 percent going into the third quarter, and then like I said in the fourth quarter, their shooting just abandoned them. They were four of 20 in that in that that 10 minute period, uh, and like I said, oh with 10 for three, and that's when State was able to just put the game away. 
Hey, Dad, Debbie Antonelli was the analyst on the game last night. She's who I'm working with tomorrow. I'm doing the Ole Miss-Arkansas game and saw her a little while ago at, at Ole Miss's practice. She showed me a video that they had uh, had shot on her phone, um, I guess at Mississippi State's shoot-around or either before or after yesterday, where she was trying to kind of illustrate Tierra McCowan's size and strength advantage and, you know, kind of went through some different things and showed you how, okay, if she posts you up, you, you can't get to the ball. She's got you blocked off. If she rolls out of a post up, they can throw the lob over the top, and she's got an arm that's you know a, a foot longer than whatever it is. So if there's a good entry pass, you're dead again. If she seals you out on the glass, there's nothing you can do to get around her. And then if she wants to just kind of back you down, either trying to get into a post position or with a dribble, she's able to just drive pretty much anybody that's defending her off the ball. And then the last thing they did in the video – she had Tierra McCowan kind of stand like shoulder width apart stance with her arms kind of out, and Debbie mimicked that stance behind her, and it was like she disappeared. It was like yeah. she was a ghost, and you couldn't even see her. Now, obviously, Debbie Antonelli's not six seven, and whatever. Did they talk on the broadcast last night about Tierra McCowan's actual size, or was that like an off the record thing? Because because uh, generally that's a faux pas in women's basketball. Yeah, I, obviously I you know at the game didn't didn't watch the broadcast. Yeah, fair but, enough. But that said, I mean physically, yeah, I mean she that her her dominance starts with her size. I mean there's just no question about that. There's not a lot of of women that are six foot seven out there playing you know college basketball. That's why last year South Carolina was able to match up a little bit because Asia Wilson could at least match up with Tierra McCowan a little bit physically. But this year they just didn't have that that answer. And and most teams just don't have that answer. That's why when the, you know they're on defense or when their other teams are on offense they're trying to get her up on the high post and and you know try to screen her off and then you know get her away from the rim. And then but then when she has the ball all you can really do is, is foul her and ho- hope for the best. That said last night 8 of 9 from the free throw line. So if she's going to make you pay at the free throw line you really don't have a lot of options for what you're going to do uh, with McCowan. Pretty nasty block she had in the game as well. Somebody sends us a text about that on the uh, the ceasefire text line. It's Jim and Ripley said, "What about the block where she smacked the girl to the floor? It was a clean block. It was yeah. just that was that one right in front of you. So or yeah, was it opposite normally- end of the floor." Normally, I, I sit on the far end of the table, but because ESPN was there last night, they took that seat and they moved me down to the table closest to the bat, or the seat closest by the basket. That block happened right in front of me, and I promise you, my life flashed a little bit in front of my eyes. As when when you're down there, you have to keep an eye on her at all times because if she starts to roll to the basket, and you see somebody coming to the rim trying to lay it up and in. If you're not on your toes down there, your head's not on a swivel, you're going to get smacked in the face. You're going to have a broken nose. She had one last year against Ole Miss. I can still hear the sound of her hand hitting the ball. I mean, it was like a volleyball spike. So, yeah, right. she, she'll take you out if you're not watching down there. Okay, so apparently they said this on the broadcast, so I feel better doing that. I didn't know if this was kind of off-the-record information or not. Mm-hmm. Tierra McCowan is 6'7", 285. Mm-hmm. Now, as a general rule, we don't talk weight when it comes to women's basketball. It just it, nobody does that. That doesn't but, seem right, though. What do you mean? Two eighty-five. That's Zion Williamson. Yeah, that's what. She's not that big. I'm telling you, she is. It's I in mean, muscle. If you, if you say so, it's in mass. But... Well, I mean that, that that that's the drill they did yesterday, and they talked to her specifically about her size and about her weight. 
not because you're trying to talk about a woman's weight, but because they're talking about the strength and kind of a comparison. That's Zion Williamson at Duke. He's six yeah. seven, two eighty five, maybe yeah. six eight. That's incredible. Yeah. And and when you think about that, you realize why she is as dominant as she is in the women's game. There are other women's college basketball players out there that are 285. It just, just, it's true. They're not built the way Tierra McCowan is, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, she, she is a unique physical specimen. No question. I I can remember seeing her as a freshman at Mississippi State and just like, if she can play at all, she is going to be a really, really good player. And she has been, it's been fun to watch her develop because when she was a freshman, can she she was basically, no, she can't. No. Okay. Uh, but when she was a freshman, it was just like you could see the potential, but, man, she had a long way to go. And she got there. She got there. And you know, that's a credit to Schaefer and to Johnny Harris, who've done a great job of developing her. And, and you know, she had the potential. They unlocked it, and that's now she's, that's now why she is the most dominant force in her sport. Maybe the most dominant athlete in their sport that Mississippi State's ever had, regardless of sport. Cody and Tupelo says there is zero chance that she's 285, maybe 250. This is one of those things where if you want to argue with me, you can. That That's fine. I did not have a scale. I didn't put her on there. I'm just telling you that I just got through having a conversation with someone who did a one-on-one demo drill, and they had the conversation about her height and weight, and that's what Tierra McCowan told her. So maybe it's completely made up. But it's not like I just pulled that out of thin air and said, hey, here you go. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe that it's true. I'm just telling you that's firsthand information from yesterday that I got an hour ago. So do with it. Well, regardless, and, and and maybe the weight is irrelevant. The strength and the size is the story, and it's kind of what we were trying to illustrate. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio after this. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Friday afternoon, weekend is almost here. Thanks for being with us. You can text the show, 601-879-4395. You can also tweet the show at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Some of you have just said that I'm absolutely wrong, there's no way that the height and weight that I gave you for Tierra McCowan is accurate. Uh, okay. It's fine. She's athletic. She's strong. She's physical. Believe what you want to believe. Well, but Google tell. Oh, okay. Believe what you want to believe. I just was sharing a nugget with you, and if you don't agree with the nugget or believe what I told you is true, that's fine. Just believe whatever you want to believe. doesn't matter to me. Um, so... Going back to yesterday, we talked a little bit about Tate Martell. Hey, Dad, this was after you left, and I don't know if you caught any of this on your way to the to the arena or not um, last night. My my thought is this: if Tate Martell is ruled immediately eligible in transferring from Ohio State to Miami for whatever reason, 
then we are done with transfer restrictions, period. If Tate Martell is not ruled immediately eligible, but Justin Fields transferring from Georgia to Ohio State is, then the NCAA is about to have to deal with a lawsuit. Another lawsuit, which is no big deal to them. They get, you know, army of lawyers on staff that they don't mind doing the whole court system thing. But I don't see how you can rule one eligible and not the other. And most conventional wisdom tells you that Justin Fields is going to be ruled eligible when he gets to Ohio State. And most people would tell you Martell's not going to be ruled eligible. I think this is something that we have to watch very, very closely because it could change everything in college football from a transfer standpoint. So you think that not only will it be no restrictions, but it will be immediate eligibility for transfers just going forward? Yeah. I mean, I, well, I mean, you may still have to go through a paperwork process, but it's just going to be a rubber stamp process for everybody. Right. I mean, I, I think that if Martell is ruled immediately eligible transferring from Ohio State to Miami – and I think they're going to have to rule him eligible if they rule Justin Fields eligible. It opens the floodgates, and anybody will be able to leave and go anywhere if there is any circumstance even resembling quote-unquote change of circumstances for any player in the country. Yeah. and it, I mean, it could go as far as, you know, hey, I thought I was going to play more. You know, nothing else changed, but I was I was I was under the impression I would play more, and I'm not getting that chance, so I need to move on. I've, I'm I have you may not you may be surprised with this because I'm usually old man stick in the mud, but I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with players be, transferring and being immediately eligible. You know, if people say, well, that's going to make it heck trouble for the coaches. Those coaches get paid millions of dollars a year. Figure it out. Figure it out. I don't I don't have an issue with that. You know, if if a if a sophomore uh, political science major wants to uh, transfer nobody says he got to take a year off from taking classes he can he can just go right back to getting his degree and and moving forward with his life so i, I don't have an issue with this but that Tate said, under, under the precedent i i mean i i agree with you they're going to have a problem if they if they let fields go but not martell tate martell has hired an attorney it is not tom mars it's a guy named travis leach uh there's a story in the toledo blade out of toledo ohio with some quotes from Leach in it, Martell's a former five-star recruit, announced his transfer destination on Wednesday and is going to request a waiver from the NCAA for immediate eligibility. Leach told the Blade that definitely is part of it. What he's talking about is the retirement of head coach Urban Meyer. He says, you try to throw as much against the wall as you can. I think the fact that there were some circumstances that happened, some personality clashes at the school, we want to be fair to everyone involved. That's the approach we're going to go down. He goes on to say, you try and align the facts as best you can. Each one of these cases is a little bit different. You look at what are the reasons for the transfer, what happened, why didn't it work, and then can you take those reasons and does it meet the NCAA's requirements for a uh, a waiver? I think we have a couple of opportunities. There were some things that happened at Ohio State that we can potentially get some relief from the NCAA, and we're going to try it that way. The NCAA is really looking to do what's in the best interest of the kids. I feel pretty comfortable with the waiver. If you look at it purely through that lens, we have good facts, but we want to do it the right way. We want to be fair to everybody. 
sounds like they're taking that approach to get Ohio State to help. Um, do they need Ohio State's help? This, I mean, this it, isn't really it, an Ohio State decision, though, is no, it? No, but if you remember the Shea Patterson transfer, there was a hang-up until Ole Miss got involved and supported it, remember? There was an yeah, issue until Ole Miss supported it, and then it went through pretty quickly. It, it feels like, in this situation... We don't want to. We don't want to be negative. We don't want to get this nasty. We have some facts, and so we're going to do it that way first. Meaning, Ohio State support us here because there's precedent that shows that if you do, he'll get eligible. In the story, Tate Martell claims that he didn't transfer because of Justin Fields. <laughs> well, that's okay. Okie dokie. I mean, that falls into the born at night but not last night category, right? You, you don't want me to believe that? Especially after the tweet. Like, come on, man. Don't insult pe- in people's intelligence. I just... Yay, 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 It's coming. Um, I think this... I mean, what really needs to happen before this happens is the the early signing period change. I think that's important. Because if, like you said yesterday, Richard, you've got coaches that actively do not make changes until the class is locked up and signed, and then they'll make changes. I think if you sign your LOI in December and your position coach, lead recruiter, or head coach leaves between early signing period and February signing day, you should get a chance to, that LOI should be void. You should get a chance to change your mind if you would like to. Because that practice I don't like. I would say not that it's void, but you have the opportunity to void it. Sure. Yeah. If you want to sit tight, fine. You've signed a letter of intent. You can go to that school. But if you want to leave based on the fact that there was a change in the coaching staff that directly affects you, then you should be free to go. That's what needs to happen before a free transfer anywhere. Because even though they're, they're student-athletes, and I, I talk out of both sides of my mouth in this case, they're student-athletes. They should be treated just like students, if that's what we're going to call them. I could When I was in college, I could have transferred anywhere, no penalty. One semester to the next. I could have gone to eight different colleges if I wanted to and still graduated on time. No penalty. They should be treated the same way. I do like the the one-year sitting-out rule, maybe they can alter it to where if you're going from Power 5 to not Power 5 or whatever, you get some leeway or vice versa. I do think it would create some form of chaos if you can just freely transfer no matter what. Uncontrollable chaos. Because any disgruntled player, any guy that's a backup, is just going to go somewhere. And it's it would be like free agency, but teams don't have salary caps. I would rather see them fix it in recruiting than give a free transfer to anybody thing. I like the little restriction keeping things in somewhat of an order. Because if there wasn't that order, you've already seen the transfer portal, and that's with guys having to sit out for a year. Text message says that regular students are not getting free rides. Well, in some cases they are. Some of them they are. Why, why, why is that a problem, though? Why? Why are we? Why do we have a problem with the guys who are, you know, better at what they're doing, making life choices? Yeah. You know, why, why? You know, 
And if you are getting a full free education from school A and you choose to transfer to school B, you can do it. And if school B wants to give you a full scholarship, they can. And if they don't want to give you a full scholarship, they can give you a partial scholarship or they can give you no scholarship and you've got a decision to make. If you want to transfer still, you can still do it. So, I don't know. This message says free transfers would pretty much destroy what is left of the group of five conferences. Power five conferences could basically recruit players as they develop in the group of five. I think it would help them. Yeah, allowing them to transfer down a level without a penalty. Yeah. Exactly. Where's Tate Martell leaving? Where's Jalen Hurts leaving? I know he's going to Oklahoma, but you see what I mean? Like, they're leaving these bigger schools because they can't Most of the time, these guys are ending up at smaller schools. Um, hey, here's a random nugget for you. Lipscomb Academy, it's a private school in Nashville, has a new head football coach. Guess who? Trent Dilfer. So Trent Dilfer, what, leaving ESPN as an analyst to go be a head high school football coach in Nashville? You cannot Just, lose games and win in high school football. Struck me as interesting. Friday afternoon, hour two, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey with you rolling into the weekend. It's all brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. From the Tennessean, Adam Sparks covers Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt at home tomorrow night hosting Mississippi State and looking for its first win in SEC play. Adam, appreciate a few minutes of your time on a Friday afternoon. Certainly has been a tough start for Vanderbilt in league play. Can they get things moving in the right direction? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, the, the South Carolina game seemed to be the one, if you had to pick out one in this stretch of the rest of January, where they would turn it around or show a sign that it could be turned around. It seemed like the South Carolina game the other night was going to be it. And maybe the Mississippi State game is. Uh, but, you know, they've got – you know, if, if you look at the opponents that they've lost to, they're, they're good ones. Uh, you know, Kentucky at rough is always you know difficult for anybody. Ole Miss appears better than anybody thought they would be. South Carolina's better than you thought they'd be and so on. But, um, you know, this is a stretch coming up of four straight ranked teams. It's not just Mississippi State. It's uh, it's number three Tennessee next week. It's it's the Big Twelve uh, SEC Challenge against Oklahoma and then Kentucky again at home. So zero and four could easily turn into zero and eight. And so I think Vandy's at a point right now where uh, you know I, I don't know if the panic button is, needs to be pushed, but whatever is one notch below that, it it makes this Mississippi State game pretty much a must win if they have any chance of turning around the season. And, and, you know, it's interesting to me when, when I look at kind of the pieces that are there. I mean, Simi Solashitu is a really good player. He's young. Saban Lee, I think, is maybe a little bit of an undervalued point guard. Joe Toy's experience. Matt Ryan's a good shooter. And then there's some other pieces, but it feels like this team just changed so dramatically when Darius Garland went down for the year, played in five games, averaging 16 points. Is it that simple, or even with Darius Garland, would Vanderbilt be struggling? 
No, with Darius Garland, I think Vanderbilt may be ranked right now. Uh, maybe not ranked, but certainly pretty close to that. Uh, if, if they weren't ranked, I mean they're they're nine and seven right now. Uh, I think they would have probably been oh twelve and four, thirteen and three, probably if they had Garland. You know he's you know he was ranked forever, whatever those rankings count. He's the first or second best point guard in the country in this freshman class, and he looked like it early on. Um, you know everything runs smoothly uh, for them the first four plus games when he was in there. Um, you know it, it, what what happened now is he say he he tore up his knee two months ago, and before he was injured. Saban Lee was playing the two and perfectly comfortable there and being kind of the sidekick on the, in that backcourt when they were mm-hmm. kind of run and gun with Garland. And Chateau would get the ball exactly where he needed it and be able to go, uh, be on the receiving end on the break of alley oops from Garland. And they've got two good shooters on the wings and Notre Dame transfer, Matt Ryan and a four star freshman, Aaron Neesmith. And they could just kind of camp out there on the wings and knock down three because of Garland and Chateau and Saban Lee. And you can go on down the list, all these things that kind of work in a certain way with Garland on the court. When you pull him out, everybody took on this new role and moved over one spot or moved out one spot or in one spot. And it changed the dynamic of the team. Now, I do think it's fair to be critical of, of Bryce Drew and his coaching staff that in two months, it's a huge, enormous loss. But in two months, they haven't been able to figure out how to exactly adapt to that. Usually that takes a few weeks, and you're still going to have places where you can't fill the holes. But after two months, you've got to figure out what, uh, how you can kind of rework the team, and they have not been able to do that. A lot of the issues they had when Garland went down, they still have now. Did it feel like in the win against Arizona State that maybe Vanderbilt had found itself? Yeah, it did at the time. Um you know, and I guess you get that a lot in basketball seasons, maybe more so than football. In football, you have so few games. You kind of get to the point where you have a big win. You say, okay, they figured it out. Uh, basketball, you have so many games, so much ebb and flow, that I think sometimes you can get a little bit of fool's gold with a win like that. And plus, Arizona State at the time was 18th, 19th in the country. Uh, since then, they've worked right. out of the top 25. They're out of the top 50 in, in net or RPI. So, you know, Arizona State was good, but maybe not as good. And uh, Vandy kind of had the right mix going in that game. And, I mean, let's face it, uh, the SEC is phenomenal this year. It was good last year, and it's really good this year. And the difference between this year and maybe about three or four years ago is that three or four years ago you could lose a big, uh, lose your best player. And if you still get a pretty good roster, you could eke out a few games here and there. There's no gimmies right now in the SEC. And if there is one, maybe it's Vanderbilt. Yeah, and that's a tough spot to be. Nine and seven overall, zero and four in the SEC with Mississippi State coming in tomorrow night. As you've kind of looked at this matchup, you've got a Mississippi State team that kind of stumbled out of the gates in league play, lost their first two, won a game at home on what was it um, Tuesday night against Florida that they just absolutely had to have. In some ways, it feels like still kind of a desperate Mississippi State coming in, despite being what thirteen and three overall. Does that make it even more difficult for Vanderbilt, or, or is it two teams that are kind of approaching this game in the exact same way? Yeah, I think it's two teams that have to figure their figure out their identity, and if they haven't done it yet, uh, they've got to do it in this game, and they've got to stick with it. Uh, you know, I think both teams uh, thought they were better than they were, maybe going into conference play, 
But uh, I'd say Mississippi State has kind of been brought down a tick, and Bandy probably three or four ticks, if that makes sense. Uh, and I think I think it's somewhat of a, a desperate time for both teams. And Mississippi State, I think, is still in in good shape to try to get in that large bid if they can if they can pull together some wins in a really tough uh, conference schedule. Uh, Vandy is more of they've got to win and win now and win a lot. Uh, you know, the, the, the good thing, I guess, about having four straight-ranked teams is if you beat, uh, you know, one or two of them, you can get yourself back into the at-large pool because those are really big wins. Um, you know, I mean, Vandy's at home, and they usually play well at home. Uh, I, 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 I'm curious to see... Uh, how Mississippi State attacks Vanderbilt because there's enough film now on Vanderbilt that I think there are there are weaknesses that show Vandy has uh, Vandy has struggled trying to figure out what works best the zone or man um, they've gone back and forth on it on the last few games and opponents have figured out weaknesses in both and Vandy seems to be always a few possessions behind and adjusting to its opponent so you you, you could have Mississippi State coming in and and maybe trying a few things that they have not tried before and to see if they can they can get Vanderbilt out of their comfort zone because a lot of teams have lately. Adam, this is Brian Haydad. I talked to Coach Howland earlier today, and he, he gave the impression that he thought Vanderbilt's height might be an issue for Mississippi State, that they just they just have big guys. Even you know playing at the two and the three, they have guys they can put in there six foot seven, six foot eight. Is that going to be a, a yeah, legitimate advantage for, for uh, Vanderbilt in this game? Well, it can be. Uh, it depends on which lineup they go with. They've gone a little smaller in the starting lineup the last two, three games. But even aside from the starting lineup, they will go with a big lineup. I mean, they, you know, Saban leads at the point now. He's he's six two, and that's fine. But then they'll go with, uh, you know, they'll go with six ten Chatu, six ten Wetzel. He's a transfer this year, and then their two and three men are six seven, six eight. So. You know, you've got essentially almost three bigs and a six-seven two guard out there at times. The thing is, is Bandy has that size. They don't necessarily play as if they have that size. Bryce Drew has talked a lot about this year about having to convince his team that they have size and length of, over their opponent. Uh, you'll see sometimes that they just that they don't get their hands in passing lanes. Uh, they don't attack the ball in the paint as much defensively, and they're slow on doubling the post. And it's just, you know, sometimes these guys have to be convinced that that they should be dominating physically against other teams. Eventually that lot's going to come on. Maybe it does this weekend, maybe it does later. But Vandy does have height over just about anybody they play. It's just a matter of whether they use it or not. Adam Sparks from the Tennessean on your radio talking to Mississippi State Vanderbilt. Where are Vandy fans on on Bryce Drew? Uh, you know, they go to the NCAA tournament a year ago, obviously, and, uh, you know, major injury that changes the course of the way this season is going. Is the overall mood surrounding the head coach one that, that's really positive? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's one of these things that he's uh, he's winning and recruiting and losing on the court. Uh, and I, I wrote a story about that about a, uh, about a week ago that, you know, Vandy fans are kind of split on that. I think a lot are still giving him the benefit of the doubt and saying, well, if Garland wasn't injured, this would be a top 25 team. Uh, you know, there's a few more probably in the, the court of public opinion I'd say really during these last couple of weeks, these SEC losses, that people are starting to wonder maybe Bryce Drew is, yes, a very good recruiter, but he's not, he, he's maybe, maybe doesn't measure up as far, as far as a floor coach, a game coach. And I don't know if that's fair or not yet. Again, he had to, 
he had to ship things mid-season after losing his best player. But uh, most still give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the, the class that he has, he has now that was Garland and Chatou and Neesmith Smith is the best, the highest-rated class in Vanderbilt history. He's bringing in uh, two four-stars, maybe three four-stars. If you count Scotty Pippen's son, who just committed as a four-star, and he's, he's trying to sign one more that will be either a four or five. So the Vandy yeah. recruiting has gotten far better under Bryce Drew. They just got to figure out how to win on the court. Adam, thanks for your time on this Friday afternoon. Hope we can talk again soon. I want to talk to you about the AD search and where that's going in the uh, the near future. Thanks so much today. All right, guys. Have a good one. It's Adam Sparks on the Farm Bureau phone line. More coming up. MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you're a farmer and you have farm-related needs, then Mississippi Land Bank is the place for you in North Mississippi. If it's uh, an equipment loan that you need, no problem. They can handle that. If it's um, refinancing an existing loan or maybe crop loans, yeah, they, they do that as well. And maybe if it's just buying a piece of property to add to the size of the farm, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for a hundred years, they understand farming. They understand the way that the farming industry, the farming business has changed. They understand that it is a business and it's a sophisticated business and they will work with you to get you uh, the options that you need at Mississippi Land Bank. They know the lay of the land. Glad to be back with you on this Friday afternoon. Hey, Dad, anything that, um, Adam said that really jumped out at you? No, I mean, with Vanderbilt, it's it really is sort of a case of they are what their record says they are. And I do agree with them. I mean, if Garland were playing, this would be a totally different matchup and a totally different team. You, you know, when you don't have – when you've only got one superstar, I mean, when he goes down, that, that that's going to usually be a recipe for disaster. I am interested to see with Bryce True because he was such a hot commodity coming into Vanderbilt, you know, if he can get this working because – you know, the, the, it's sort of the same path as Ben Howland, right? You know, he was recruiting well and recruiting well, and, and now it looks like, you know, maybe this is going to be a year where they take the step forward. We'll see if, if, if he gets the same kind of patience there in Nashville. Jason sends us a message on Twitter at Sports Talk MISS. He says there haven't been any gimmies in the SEC in basketball for a long time, but not because the league's been that good, but because it's been that bad. He says, I don't see where that's changed. I think part of Ole Miss's success is due to the league still being fair to crap. Jason. I mean, the, the analytics disagree with you. I, yeah. I, I just, I could not disagree anymore. Eight of the league's 14 teams, let me, it may be more if I have this right. They have eight teams in the top 55 of the net. That's right. That's correct. And, and really, there, there are two kind of lines of demarcation that matter. You know, we, we, we found ourselves traditionally talking about top 25 wins, top 50 wins, and top 100 wins. Those are not like demarcation points that matter anymore. The, the two lines that you need to be looking at in the net are 30 and 70. And I guess you could actually say that there's a third line, and that's at 150. So 
a a win at home against a team that is in the top thirty of the net counts as a a a quality win, a quadrant one win. A win on the road against a team in the top seventy of the net. Seventy five. You keep saying seventy five and I keep saying seventy. I have it on NCA.com. Okay. So top seventy five. Well not that I trust NCAA.com, but I'm gonna trust you. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I mean it's sub submit, you know, same Fair thing. enough. So yeah. so top seventy five wins on the road. Hello? Hello. Yeah. I didn't know Can you answer the phone? phone? Hey, Dad. Uh, I'm, I, they don't pay me to do that. So okay. Um, answer it and put them on. Yeah. Yeah. Who See is what this? they have to say. Uh, hello, you're live <laughs> on Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Can we help you? Yeah. What do you think about the Mississippi State Vanderbilt game this weekend? All right. So a top seventy-five road win counts as a quadrant one win. Jason's response is, save me the analytics, wake me up in March. I, I'm not sure what you're watching, though, Jason. Yeah. If you've watched SEC basketball for a long time, and I think you have, if you can't see a difference on the floor in the talent level and the way these teams are playing and the competitiveness of these games compared to five years ago, then we'll just have to agree to disagree. Not to mention the lowest-rated net team in the SEC right now, South Carolina, is 4-0 and in the conference. And the lowest rate is at 112. And the SEC got eight teams into the NCAA tournament last year. Over half the league. Most ever. So so, so that's the whole wake-me-up-in-March thing. I mean, they, they set a record in March last year, and I don't know if there will be eight SEC teams this year, but I certainly think there's a roadmap to seven. Most... Current brackets and bracket experts have seven if the season ended today. Hmm. Tennessee, obviously. Kentucky, Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Florida, and Alabama. No way Alabama gets in. No, no. I, so here's Andy Katz, for example. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, both in Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, Auburn, LSU. So that's seven. That's seven. Okay. So... To, to your point, NCAA.com, Andy Katz, formerly of ESPN, now working for the NCAA, and he's kind of a reporter, basketball junkie guy, and he's going to put out his own bracketology stuff, trying to copy Joe Lenardi. He's got Mississippi State as an eight seed against TCU. I think you'd take that for a first-round matchup. Ole Miss is a seven seed against UCF. Again, I think you would take that as a first-round matchup. We talked about this the other day. That would be a legendary photo op for me. Seven-foot, six-inch taco fall for UCF. Uh, Tennessee is a one-seed. Kentucky is a three-seed. Bama as an 11. Auburn as a six. LSU as a four. I don't really see it with Alabama right now. But, th but that said... They could win some games and get that turned around and going in the right direction. You're right. I mean, they did You're beat right. Kentucky. I mean, there's no reason to think they can't win some more games in the conference. Yeah, they they did beat Kentucky, but they also lost to Texas A&M. They did. And but if we're going to say the conference is strong top to bottom, then you know Texas A&M. It's it's not like you lost to Jackson State or something. 
You know, it's 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 not a terrible. It's not a it's not a season ending. That's that's going to be a black mark in your resume loss. Uh, yeah, they're what two and two. Kind of fluky loss to. They're one A&M. and three in the conference, but yeah. One oh, you're from Alabama. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 So I mean, they 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 if they if they win, you know, two or three in a row, and all of a sudden they're sitting at five and two in the conference, and fourteen and five, you know, fifteen and five. Yeah, they're going to be in the discussion for sure. Well, to Richard's point, do you think that's probably the? I mean, there's a long way to go, but the borderline team that kind of deciphers whether it's six or seven or seven or eight seem like it would Pos- be them. Probably so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. Yeah. They got in by the skin of their teeth last year, right? They Sexton did. They had did. To make that, that was with Colin and, Sexton, so I don't yeah. know. It'll be, it'll be tough to do, to do it again. With the kind of miraculous win in the SEC tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was some ridiculous probability swing to where if he missed that layup and they lost that game, it went to like, I mean, I'm, I'm estimating here like six percent versus like sixty eight that they'd get in. Remember yeah. when he almost beat Minnesota literally by himself? Yes. Oh, that was early in the season. They finished the game with three players. Yeah. Three? Seriously, three players on the floor, Rippy, and they still My almost won the, the game. I remember. I remember like generally the game. I didn't know it got down to. Five on three. It was five on three to finish the game. Triangle defense, huh? There wasn't much <laughs> defense. It was just kind of run down and then get to the other end and have Sexton run off two screens to try and get a shot that he made. I'm that like, he made. That he made. Yeah. So the SEC teams that got into the tournament last year, you had Bama as a nine seed, Arkansas as a seven, Florida as a six, Kentucky as a five, Tennessee is a three, Auburn is a four, Missouri is an eight, and Texas A&M is a seven. And I don't remember the results from all those games. And State was on the bubble last year. I mean, they—I think they were on the wrong. They were not on the anywhere close. Yes, they were on the wrong side side of of the bubble. Well, I'm just saying, like, there's the bubble, and then there's the bubble to be on the bubble. I think State was on the bubble to be on the bubble. They—they—they were probably in the first eight out, if I had to guess. And then made a run in the NIT. Yeah. Um, with Mississippi State, we talked about them needing to make the tournament this year. And that's still very, very much within reach. If they don't, what happens? Man, what a great question. Because you haven't heard anybody say, you know, Ben Howell is in jeopardy and in any trouble. But, man, after four years, if you can't get it done and the way he's recruited, I don't know where you go. But I will say that at the same time, if Ben Howland can't win at Mississippi State, what hope does anybody else have? That's a guy with three Final Fours. He's taken three different programs in the NCAA tournament. If he can't get it done here, who can? You know, because Mike Krzyzewski's not walking through that door. So I, I don't know where MSU would go in that situation. Careful with um, walking through that door. <laughs> um. Hey, Dad, Richard once famously said, Malik Newman's not walking through that door. (laughs) Talking about... (laughs) He did. He walked right back out. He He walked right back out that door about nine months later. Yeah. Um, Let's talk with Lee Sterling next on the Farm Bureau phone line. We'll take a look at what's coming up in Championship Weekend in the NFL. That's when we continue in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you.
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. It's been a few weeks. Things uh, have quieted down on the gaming front for football, just not as many games. But we've got two monster games this weekend, and it bears bringing in our good friend from Paramount Sports, Lee Sterling. Lee, first time I've talked to you in 2018, or 2019. Happy New Year. Same to you. Yeah, everything's good here. How about yourself? So you just sitting around twiddling your thumbs, just kind of waiting for the games to kick off this weekend? Um, no, no, I'm always busy. The wife's out of town, so I actually had to run home during lunch, which I normally don't do on a Friday, and let the dog out. And uh, actually, going to go with some friends see a movie tonight. Go to the UM North Carolina basketball game tomorrow at eleven o'clock your time. Watch UFC all Saturday night and. <laughs> Then Sunday, play a little basketball the morning in my house, and then watch the football game. So, sounds like a pretty good weekend. I, yeah, I, I am yeah, curiously throwing a couple meals there, and and uh, you know get a few few hours of sleep. My, my wife says she's going to New York for the weekend with one of my daughters. She says she's going to miss me. I said, oh, terribly, honey. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it. Sounds like it. So, Lee, I'm I'm curious. Yeah. I know you spend a ton of time handicapping right. games college and NFL throughout the season. When you get to a weekend like this where there are only two games and it's not like you you skimp on your preparation during the regular season, do you take all of that time to examine this game or is that just wasting time at this point? You continue to look at games the exact same way. I do basketball for my clients and so that takes up a bulk of my time. But it gives me some time to go back. I love the bowl games and the NFL playoffs because go back and I can look at things, look at some games in the past, and watched how you know one team attacked the other team. And uh, uh, there, you, sometimes you, you can, you know, everyone's you know applauding New Orleans and they, uh, you know and getting to this point. But what's interesting is at one point in the season, three of these teams were. were I mean, look like they were head and shoulders above everyone else, and then things slowed down. And, you know, teams, uh, their opponents got some film on them and some injuries and things like that happened. And uh, I almost think the NFL is almost like three separate seasons. So uh, it's interesting, and uh, I think it's a lot of fun. I think these are some some great matchups here. So let's talk a little bit about the matchups. We'll start start with the NFC. Both the Rams and the Saints thirteen and three in the regular season. New Orleans is a three and a half point favorite at home. High scoring game the first time these two met, but the total in this game doesn't really reflect that that this game will be played the same way the first one was played. No, because some things have changed. Obviously, you look at. Uh... Uh, the Rams offense, they'll be without Cooper Cup. I mean, he was by far, it looked like their most productive receiver. And I, I thought when he was in there, you saw receivers that really got separation. And he made a big difference. You know, you can cover two guys, but covering three receivers is real difficult. So um, they've had to use the tight end more since he's gone out. Um, struggled a little bit. Curly was banged up. Uh, but they seem to be 
I wouldn't say back to where they were, but they're getting closer. Uh, and then uh, they also were missing uh, Akeem Tlaib in that first game. And that first game, I mean, I thought it was going to be tight the whole way. I thought that the Rams would probably play with the lead and, and the Saints would have to play catch-up. But you know, the Saints jumped out to that 35-14 lead. I thought you know, usually when the Saints are up by two touchdowns at home, it's over. The Rams tied it at one point in that game, 35-all, before they scored the last 10 points in that game to win 45-35. But Akeem Tlaib didn't play in that first game. Uh, Michael Thomas had a field day, 12 catches for 211 yards. So I, I don't think you're going to see the Rams put Marcus Peters on uh, Michael Thomas here. I think it's going to be a keep to lead almost the entire game. And uh, the Saints, you know, at one point were rolling offensively, and then they've slowed down, averaging the last five games just 295 yards per game. And and their offensive line looks like they're a little beaten up. Uh, no one's showing up on the injury report, but I thought the Eagles, uh, they controlled the line of scrimmage there. The, the Saints just found a way to will themselves to come back, and you got to give them a lot of credit. But also on the defensive line, without Sheldon Rankins, him going out in that injury, injured Achilles for the rest of the year, I, I think that's a huge injury that the point spread, I mean, for some reason, linemen, they go out and they can be the best linemen. They just don't adjust the point spread here. I think it's going to go back and forth, but I actually like the Rams here, 34-28. So for the Rams to actually win the game by six yep. in the Dome. So the Rams are a three-and-a-half-point underdog. Jared Goff, Drew Brees, pretty similar statistically. Boy, that'd, yep. be, that'd, be, that'd be a tough one for Saints fans to swallow. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm more of a Saints fan, so um, tough for me to do that. But you know, I'm running a business. I'm trying to, to make money and also win for my clients. So sometimes you got to put uh, personal feelings aside sometimes. So the Rams 34-28 over the Saints. Let's go over to the, the AFC side of things. And the forecast for Sunday has actually gotten a little better. A little Arrowhead. better, a lot better. How about that with 30 degrees? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be going to be 30 at kickoff instead of the predicted 7 at kickoff yeah. earlier in the week. So Patriots with Tom Brady, Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City's a three-point favorite at home. Uh, is the old man done, or has he got one more in him? Well, if if it was at a, close to zero, I would probably favor New England here. But uh, you don't see too many guys uh, uh, like like the Hill for for Kansas City running four twos and four threes and in single digit weather. So uh, with the weather supposedly going to be in the low thirties, I really think it favors Kansas City. So they also got back uh, Sammy Watkins. Look like uh, he'll be able to help out now. And I just think with the weather being better. I think there's a better chance for them to hit on more chunk plays. I, I thought the Chargers, their their game plan and pep preparation was absolutely horrific against New England. I think part of it was they were exhausted. They had played three straight away games, going back and forth on coast. I was surprised they didn't stay on the East Coast after the win the week before, but so be it. Uh, I, I and also, I mean, what, the way they prepared for that game, rushing four guys sitting in that uh, seven DBs in the zone. I just thought. It was, New England was, was prepared for it, and their game plan and their execution was flawless, and they were ready to go. They just made it too easy on Tom Brady. If I can 
read the defense before the snap. You you know for sure that Tom Brady can do it. So uh, the problem here, though, for New England, they just have not been good on the road this year at all, uh, whereas Kansas City's defense has been incredible at home. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but they had 51 sacks on the year. Got a guy defensive end, Chris Jones, not many people talk about. Twelve and a half sacks. Uh, it's real tough, hard-charging defensive linebackers in D. Ford and Justin Houston. These two guys have combined for 22 sacks and 41 hits. So um, I, I just don't see Sony Michelle having the game like he had. I don't think that the Patriots can duplicate that first half here. And I think Kansas City's going uh, to the Super Bowl for the first time since the AFL-NFL merger 49 years ago. Give me Kansas City by double digits, 31-21. Ooh, 31-21, Kansas City. So they cover the three with uh, with no trouble in that scenario. It's interestingly, I was actually going to ask you about Chris Jones uh, and the ability to put pressure on Tom Brady. you got to remember who you're talking to here. It's the state of Mississippi that watched this guy up close and personal. Uh, he was had an incredible recruiting story, kind of jumped onto the radar from nowhere. The, the national, you listen to these announcers, they very rarely mention his name. And and I don't understand that because he yeah. has been absolutely dominant this year. Yeah, yeah. He and he and I think he's the best defensive lineman in this game. I think on the other side would have been uh, it would have been Rankins for for New Orleans, but um, they just don't talk about those kind of players. You know, they want to talk about they. I, I don't want to make fun of some of these guys, but let's be honest. Troy Aikman, I mean, is dumbing it down to to, to someone who's who's probably watch football on a limited basis and understands almost nothing and um i don't think that's what people want people want to hear tony romo you know uh kind of figure out sometimes beforehand what kind of play is being called and and talk about some guys that that are going to make a difference that that aren't tom brady you know or aren't drew Brees. you know you gotta you gotta talk about other players and you gotta talk about scheme stumps sometimes uh because that's what makes a difference in a lot of these games Interesting stuff. Lee, before we run out of time, tell people how they can uh, get all of your picks this weekend and kind of rolling right on through basketball season. Well, just go, just go to the website, ParamountSports.com. Had a great run uh, in football this year. Um, get the rest of the season through the Super Bowl. Probably have something on uh, one or both of the totals also. Rest of the season, $97 or basketball. We lost two games in the last uh, 14 plays, and, and both of them were by a half and one point. And mm. one of them last night hit Arizona State, middle of the, of the second half, they're up by 18 points, laying four points. They only won by three. So uh, even when I lose, uh, I think I'm usually on the right side. So uh, they can get involved with both of them. ParamountSports.com or call me here at the office, 800-400-9741. Did you see that nasty backdoor cover at Rupp Arena last week? Oh, I that was, that was bad. <laughs> Sometimes that's just how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, Lee. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. Talk to you in a couple weeks. That's Lee Sterling at Paramount Sports. We'll visit with him again leading up to the Super Bowl. So together. Sports Talk Mississippi just after 5 o'clock with you Friday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Welcome to the weekend. Sports Talk brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank online. MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Thinking about building a dream home, building a cabin, building a shop, buying a piece of property, hunting land, fishing hole, all of those things, 
Mississippi Land Bank can help you with it. If you're in North Mississippi and you've got land financing needs of any kind, well, then give Mississippi Land Bank a shot. Why would you do that? Well, you might do that because they've been in business for over 100 years in North Mississippi, and they understand like the they understand the area. They get it. They know where the deals are. And not that deal is what you're looking for, but they can help you get your deal done to build your dream home or buy that piece of property that you've had your eye on for a long time. You can find a branch location near you in North Mississippi on their website, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Splat! So there's a triple header in gymnastics tonight in the SEC, and I guess that happens from time to time. Sorry for the um, the non-sequitur there. This girl's on the uneven bars, and they just pulled the mat, and she had a big flip coming up. They slid the mat right back in there, and kaploosh, face-planted. But on the mat? Yeah, on the mat. Okay, okay. You just don't see that very often. I mean, if she got up, like, blood on her face like Becky Lynch and was like, come at me, bro, I'd be pretty impressed. Oh, but but then they just like let her rechalk her hands and take her time, and then go get back on. Hey, man, that's the way it is. You got to compete. Oh, I wonder if the deduction's longer if you take like an extra thirty seconds to get back on the uneven bars. Um, all right, quick question for you. Oh, she nailed the landing on the on the redo. If uh, if you had to pick one event to uh, compete in gymnastics. What would your event be? Borky will start with you. Your options are the beam, the uneven bars, floor exercise, or the vault. Well, can I add one that the uh, only the men do, and not because of that reason? But I think you're going to do rings. The rings. That is one of the most impressive physical feats that you can watch. Uh, yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna limit it to my four options that they do in SEC gymnastics. Okay. So are you on the beam, the floor exercise, the vault, or the uneven bars? I'll do the beam. Partially okay. because my wife is, is really like balanced and flexible and stuff, and I'm the exact opposite, so I would like you know, to be able to, to do something like that. Oh, we're not assuming that you're great at it. We're saying oh. if I told you you have to go do one of these four things today as you are right now, which of the four would you try? Would you get on the beam? Would you get on the bars? Would you try a floor exercise? Or would you go for the vault? I would do the vault. Because I you, feel like I... You don't get to make yourself Simone Biles. Hey, well, then give me the vault because I, I used to be a decent athlete back in the day, so I feel like I could get a good enough running start to launch myself really high and at least make it look like something. Okay. Rippy, you're next. I'm going to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what all of those entail. I have a general idea on a couple, but as someone who spends most of their time pretty low to the ground, I'm probably going to go vault. Just so you can get airborne and see what happens? <laughs> see the top of people's heads for once. Okay, I'll, I'll go on even bars. I'm like Borky, I kind of... <laughs> that rationale's fantastic. I would I would take the rings if they were there. When my kids were doing like the gymnastics class, there was one set of rings. And certainly I can't do what those guys at Borky was talking about do, like where you just you know, stick your arms out to the side and your legs out in front and you just hold it. But man, I could flip like crazy on the rings. So I'm gonna go bars and see if I can get enough momentum to do a flip in the air. You mentioned the 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 
Flat is it flat? Is that what it's called? Ground? What what's the floor exercise? What does that entail? Uh, you run and do a bunch of flips and dance around a bit. See, I would need some a music for help. Yeah. Okay. In a onesie uh, too, which would be a good look for you. Hold on now. Oh, Big man. finish. Big finish here. <laughs> hey, Dad. Yeah. You you currently have to choose one of these four activities: the beam, sure. the bars, yeah. the vault, or the floor exercise. Which would it be? I'm gonna go with the floor exercise. And uh, it's going to look very similar to Will Ferrell in old school. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to put on a show, though. Composure. I'm, I'm, <laughs> exactly right. I'm going to try. I don't know if I'm going to try to jump through the flaming ring or not, but uh, I am definitely not going to try to pull myself up by anything. For the first time in the history of floor exercise, Hey Dad would get a negative score. <laughs> I get a perfect ten, brother. You'd have that ribbon, man. Richard, you've got to right. see that movie. I can't believe you have Whoa, seen whoa, it. whoa. Okay, we were given... Whoa, 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 whoa. What's we were given what Michael all this... this, this what this movie are you talking garbage. about? Old School. I told about, you I think I've seen Old School. I you thought think you said yesterday you haven't school? seen Old School. How do you not no, you, know if you've seen you, Old School? If you school? think you've seen it, you haven't seen it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. Old School. Oh, my... Wow. I think even Will Ferrell movies kind of run together, though. We've been giving Borky all this crap about not seeing Karate Kid, and then he just he just waylaid you right there. <laughs> it's not really a Will Ferrell movie. He's but, in but it. Hold but on, hold on, hold on. I I readily admit that I'm like the worst pop culture guy ever. And yes, I watch movies from time to time, but mainly I watch movies that I've already watched before and want to watch again. Um. And the other thing is, I can't get my wife to watch movies like Old School because she thinks they're all dumb. She doesn't think any of the jokes in movies like that are funny. And so I'm just like, kind of, eh, whatever. You gotta, She's not going to get along with me at all. We ever made. <laughs> She's not going to like me one bit. No, she won't dislike you for liking those movies. No, no, that's, how, that's my sense of humor. That's the kind of jokes I make. Well, I know. I understand that. I don't dislike you necessarily, even though you do that all the time. <laughs> Necessarily, what? it's backhanded compliment to hear on Sports Talk Mississippi. Good Lord, next time you're traveling and have like a couple hours to kill, make sure old school is the movie you watch. Yeah, okay, I'm good with that. I, 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 in fact, I'm open to taking a list of. There are a couple of movies I'm actually too embarrassed to admit on the radio that I've not watched. I've got well, let's hear them. You, you get on me for not seeing a movie that came out before I was born. So, Godfather and Scarface. You haven't seen The Godfather. Never seen either of those. Is worse Wizard than of Oz. The never seen it. No, The Godfather is the greatest movie ever made, and I'm I got well, analytics. It's not that I don't know. Up. Now, have I seen parts of The Godfather? Of oh. course I have. Of course I have. Oh. But I have not sat down and watched in its entirety The Godfather. I, it, I just it insist I, upon itself. What I mean, what what did you want me to? I just told you there were a couple that I was embarrassed to admit that I hadn't watched. I mean, your reaction I think it was, was gonna be kind of predictable. One. I didn't think it was going to be the movie everyone agrees is the greatest movie. I just listened to the Rewatchables uh, podcast about The Godfather, so it's on the brain. I've not watched Citizen Kane either. Oh, I haven't watched that. Okay. Man, that's been considered to be one of the all-time yeah, it's, greats. It's, it's spoiled. Um. All right, so so my assign, my travel assignment is old school and The Godfather, huh? Well, The Godfather, that's going to have to be one of those, you know, cross-country kind of trips. That's a long movie. Was it three hours? Three and a half hours? Three and some change, yeah. Okay. You really need to... Have you watched The Godfather 2? Is there... I mean, I need to watch Godfather before I watch Godfather 2, right? Well, yeah, but so you're saying you haven't seen... Oh, my God. 
Then I, I have can, not you, watched you the Godfather trilogy. Nine hours trilogy. For, for all this. Don't watch the third one. The third one is terrible. But okay. watch the first two. The first, the second we, one may be better than the first one. We will get thing. to the college football fix coming up in just a bit. Blake sends us a uh, a message on the Sports Talk Mississippi message? Twitter feed at Sports Talk MISS, and I think we have just come upon something. You can text. The ceasefire phone line, 601-879-4395. What's the movie that you're embarrassed to admit you've not ever seen? Blake says never seen Star Wars or Ghostbusters. Star okay. Wars? Wow. I can understand Ghostbusters. Yeah. There's just so many references to Star Wars in everyday life. Yeah. Um... I've never I mean, seen Breaking Bad. I know that's not a movie, but that that's one that I, I catch a lot, a lot of stuff for. Though. Yeah. Um, I get a text from a buddy says Star Wars is the one for for him. Also, I get a lot of people that haven't seen Star Wars. It's like you're either on the Star Wars train or you're not. So do you? So. So hey, Dad. Maybe we should change it. Maybe not that you're embarrassed to admit that you haven't seen. Just. That most people wouldn't believe you haven't seen. Yeah. Hey, Dad, I don't feel like there's one of those movies for you. There might be. I feel like you watched them all. Wizard nah, of Oz. You've never seen I've The seen Wizard of Oz? Nope. you never seen the... I can't remember ever watching it myself. I mean, your parents didn't just make you watch it when you were a little kid? Our school did a production of the of Wizard of Oz, like our high school musical when I was, I don't know, ninth or 10th grade, and I was in it. Uh, interesting. Sports Talk Mississippi. Have you seen Wicked? No. Yeah, you'd probably need to watch Wizard of Oz before you watch Wicked. It would make a little more sense. Uh, more coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. I might be about to anger you. Why would you do that? Well, I, just, I was just going to tell you something, and then uh, thought you'd get mad at me for it. I could not. There's only one prefer. way to find out. So, uh, Jenny and I went to dinner last night. I was like, we don't have a ton going on this weekend. You want to go to New Orleans? Oh, no. <laughs> You're not. Uh, I don't uh, know yet. Oh, man. Richard, in the Central Business District today, there was at least 1,000 people just decked out and saying stuff, just partying, just on the sidewalks, in the street, just hanging out on a Friday at like 11 o'clock in the morning, drinking just that weekend in that city. I'm so jealous of you right now. Well, I don't know. It's probably not going to happen. Just kind of threw it out there as an option. She didn't completely shoot it down, though. That would be a blast, man. We left that kind of as a to-be-determined discussion. Maybe you'd leave the little ones at home for the weekend kind of trip? Yes, I can assure you that I cannot afford five <laughs> tickets to the <laughs> NFC Championship game. I, I can, uh, w- without question, assure you that that is not on the table. The get-in With- price is, is up close to 600 or 600 300 bucks, but it would be 600 for the two of you now. What Wasn't it already there? 
It was like 240 earlier in the week, and now we're up around 290. Yeah, I'm probably not going because I am i can't make myself go sit in the upper deck. Man, if that game were the late game, it could turn not so family-friendly in Ooh, a hurry. In a hurry. You want to text the show, you can. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer-inspired. You can also tweet us. At Sports Talk, M-I-S-S. So I threw the question out there. What's the uh, the one movie that people would be shocked if you told them you hadn't actually seen it? There have been a bunch of folks that have mentioned Star Wars. Uh, we just got one that said anybody who hasn't seen Rocky, Die Hard, First Blood, or Lethal Weapon is not actually American. Uh, Anthony says two movies I hate saying that I haven't seen are Raging Bull and Taxi. Taxi Driver, he says. Is that Taxi? Taxi Driver. Uh, two different uh, movies you're thinking of. Taxi's uh, a really bad movie with Jimmy Fallon. I got you. What is Raging Bull? Oh. Hey, Dad, you have to remember you're 40. <laughs> Five or 46 yeah, still, or however I mean, old it is that you ben are. I've seen Ben-Hur, you know? I've seen Gone with the Wind. I was never you seen Gone with the Wind, Borky? No, I've never seen Gone with the Wind. I, I was never a movie Rippy? guy. Not a chance. Yeah. We actually watched that in school, and somebody's mom got mad because there's a, you know, he says, frankly, I don't give a damn. And she got mad that we watched a movie that had profanity in it. Frankly, darling. Quinn says, if you go to New Orleans, look for him. I think he also put himself uh, drinking out of a funnel. So <laughs> I'm sure I'll be able to ID you easily, Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're just, if you're trying to find a guy drinking out of a funnel in New Orleans this weekend, no, that will not be easily ID. Be It'd be easier thousands. to ID the guy that's not drinking out of a funnel in New Orleans this weekend. That's probably a uh, probably a good point. So um, it's time for the college football fix. It's driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. But don't stop there. Don't just look at pictures of them online. Go to your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Tell them what you're looking for. They'll put you behind the wheel, keys in hand, although the good news is on most of them, you don't even have to put the key in the ignition. You press the button. Hey, keys in the truck, press the button, take it for a ride. You're going to feel like you're riding in a luxury car. That's how great the F-150 drives. Uh, give it a test drive today. All right, so what about this Nick Saban story? Um, Aaron Suttles writes at The Athletic, covers Alabama, uh, gave a little bit of backstory on the whole uh, Dan Enos leaving. This was actually Bruce Feldman's version. Uh, so Bruce Feldman wrote this one yesterday. There was kind of a follow-up with uh, Aaron Suttles. Actually, his was not, I'm sorry, his was not about Dan Enos. His was about Tosh Lupoy. Borky, why don't you give us the summary? So pretty much they had a staff meeting, and everybody sits down, according to Bruce Feldman, and Nick looked around and said, hey, where's Dan? Talking about Dan Enos. Nobody responded. So Nick Saban, a little bit louder, hey, where's Dan? Nobody responded still, and finally, he said, where the expletive is Dan. And it took the staff, despite knowing that he had left, three times for them to actually tell Nick Saban that he had taken a job somewhere else. His offices were cle- or his office was cleaned out and did not tell Nick Saban that he was leaving. Saban had no idea showing up to a staff meeting that he had lost Dan Enos. You cannot quit your job and keep your job at Alabama. 
Nice. Well played. You had to have been along the entire ride for that to make sense. I've been trying to work one in since we did it. That's the first opportunity I had. But the thing is, and it's Trent Dilfer on the Farm Bureau phone line. (laughs) (laughs) It's warranted to a degree because they're having a. I mean, he's having another round of complete staff turnover, and maybe there's a reason for that, but. This the reaction to this was oh wow Nick Saban's losing it I mean this is just embarrassing for Nick no it's not this is embarrassing for Dan Enos not telling your boss that he's taking another job he denied it but his denial was kind of like a non-denial if Nick Saban didn't know that he was gone then then it's true right. And that's another thing. When these things come up, they don't like. How would you just make that up out of thin air? How would that story come out of thin air if there wasn't some version of the truth to it? That's absolutely correct. And a guy it's like a, Bruce yes, Feldman doesn't get yeah. to where well, Borky he is. is right. If if Saban didn't know he was gone, I mean, what did he do? Did he call Greg Byrne and quit? I mean, no. You have you would he would have to talk to Saban and say I'm out. So yes. what are the ways that he, he might have him. possibly left? word that he was done without actually telling Nick Saban that he was done, like Carrier, face-to-face. Carrier An edible pigeon. arrangement? He carved okay. Dan was here into the ceiling? <laughs> I thought you were Have you seen that desk. movie? Have we seen Shawshank Redemption, everybody? Mm, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> Tinos out via, like, a, a Braille carving? See, Borky, if you did that, it would actually just read, so was Dan. Because Lane was here, was up there first. Oh, yeah. Dan Enos's Twitter feed, at Coach Dan Enos, 23 hours ago. I would never leave an employer without telling them I was doing so. No ghosting here. Nothing but respect for CNS. <laughs> so it's a cool and Alabama. That, that's Coach Nick Saban and Alabama. Bottom line, business is business. And it was time for me to exit. Wish all the best to RTR, CNS, and the program. Yeah, a lot, lot of acronyming there. Key little Here, here's PR. Here's an acronym. AWOL. There's one for you. Yeah, key little PR trick here. When Usually when someone says, I would never, instead of, I didn't do this, they probably did it. Yeah. Bruce Feldman didn't never. make it up. Nick Saban didn't He didn't say he know. didn't do it. He said he would never do that. Yeah. I would never change a Trent Dilfer quote. Never. Wait, I would. So they lose to Clemson. Four days later, regular morning football staff meeting. Hey, where's Dan? No response. The offensive coordinator vacancy was created by Mike Loxley leaving to go to Maryland. Where's Dan? No response. Where's the... Where the... Bleep... Is Dan? Several of the staffers knew the answer to their <laughs> boss's question. The like, no one in the room wanted to be the one to break that news to Saban, even though Miami was primed to announce it in a couple of hours. One staffer scrambled to check if Eos was in his office. That's what I would have done. That would have been me. That'd have been like, oh, I don't know. I'll check his office. Coach, coach. Look for him. I'll, I'll be check. right back. I mean, do you blame him? If there's ever a scenario where the messenger is going to be shot, it is right yeah. then and there. I wouldn't be the one to speak up. Guy's like, a man. Coach, I checked his office. I'm going to go to check his house now. It Continue was the empty, without me. save for a pencil on the desk. 
Maybe he'd already moved into Loxley's old office, but that one was empty, too. He moved out like the Colts, is a quote from one person with knowledge of the matter. Here today, gone tomorrow. It's embarrassing. For him and him only. Oh, yeah. I agree with that 100%. But he would never do that. Oh, yeah. He would never. I would never go to Taco Bell around midnight under any So that's what led to Steve Sarkeesian being hired as offensive coordinator? He was so angry. It's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hire Sarkeesian again. There was there was a little bit of kinder, gentler Nick Saban that you saw at times this year. Yeah, it's gone. He's about to take that little clay mold and toss it out the old window. And it's gone. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.